What's happening, travelers? Nitsan Mosery here, the traveling investor, with another edition of the Traveling Investor Live Q&A show, where I bring you amazing, awesome people, and we talk about their trials, their tribulations, the challenges, the successes, and how they got to be where they are today. And, you know, it, life is a journey. We start when we're born and we end when we pass away. And it's the moments in between that matter, you know, and we're always, you know, we're, we're born into our families and we're born into our society and we're born into our, our parents' financial reality. What most people don't understand is that just because we're born into a specific uh, family socioeconomic world doesn't mean that's where we have to end up. You know, being born poor is not your fault, but dying poor is. And a majority of people live life by default. They accept the cards that they were dealt and offer no resistance to mediocrity. You know, here on the Traveling Investor Show, we talk about how to live life on your terms and create the life, finances, relationships that you can dream of. Join me, Nitsan Mosri, your host, every week, on the live Traveling Investor Show, where we demystify the art of mastering your mind, body, and wallet so you can be at every softball game and so that you can go on vacation with your family and spend time with your loved ones. And you can tell your boss to go kiss your ass. I'm Nitsan Mosri. Today, we have a phenomenal guest who really... Um, shows what you can do with hard work, dedication, systems, and processes. His name is Brian Grimes, Jr. He's a CFP. Uh, he's a real estate entrepreneur and coach. And upon graduation from Columbia College in 2011, he embarked on a career in financial planning at AXA Advisors before transitioning to high net worth asset management at Bridgewater Advisors. And before the show, we were talking, he was, I think he was managing around a billion dollars of for something like 300 families and assets. It's amazing. In 2015, Brian launched his own real estate development company in Philadelphia and has since gone to expand that company and invest in other regions such as Baltimore. Brian is a certified financial planner. He's raising his sons, Brian III and Tomas, in the Bronx with his wife, Zila Acosta Grimes. So without further ado, let me bring on Brian so he can share with us a lot of good information and help us become successful. What's happening, Brian? How are we doing? I appreciate that uh, beautiful intro there. Um, thanks for, for teeing me up here. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So I, I, I love the fact that, you know, you went and you you started careers in in one area of life. Right. You thought financial planning, you were successful there and then you made the transition. But before you went into the financial planning, you know, who who was Brian Grimes when he graduated Columbia? Who was he when he was in Columbia? You know, were you yeah. thinking about the future? Or were you just kind of partying and like I was when I was in college? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a good amount of uh, partying. They say, you know, being in the Ivy League as well, um, sometimes they say, you know, the more uh, hard work you're doing, the harder the, the studies are, the harder that you party uh, to a degree. So there's definitely <laughs> a bit of that. But, um, you know, I was, uh, I was a Philly, Philly guy who grew up during the Allen Iverson era. Um, so I was a Philly basketball kid. I was lucky enough to grow to about six, five by the age of 13. And at the time in high school, I was nationally ranked. So 
you know, I did all the Nike invitationals and flew around the country playing, you know, all the best players in the, in the country. Uh, my first high school game was actually against LeBron James and they flew us out to Akron, Ohio, uh, to play on kind of his home turf, which was, was quite the experience. So, uh, you know, I was very into sports, very into basketball, played, uh, four years at Columbia and, during that transition, it was really the mentorship that they connected you with at Columbia. So some of the basketball mm -hmm. alums and the football alums um, getting internships with with those guys and getting uh, pulled into finance. I had an experience working uh, an internship at the New York Mercantile Exchange for a former former uh, Columbia football player turned trader. So he was trading options uh, right on the right on the floor. And I remember sitting in the pits uh, with him. And he's saying, you know, Brian, you want to be uh, you want to go to the NBA, right? You want to play in the NBA or play professional? I said, yeah. He said, well, how much do you think Kobe Bryant made last year? I said, I don't know, maybe $20 million. I'm, I'm not sure. He said, uh, I made I made uh, $8 million last year. You see that guy over there? I said, yeah. He said, he made $80 million last year. And these guys are coming in and they're trading with a <laughs> tablet for you know i'm watching them trade four hours a day and they're going and spending time with their family he said listen this is the nba i'm kobe bryant and that's lebron james and it kind of transformed <laughs> my mentality because i was watching people making you know more money than athletes with just their their brain and a and a uh, touchpad so um a lot of different experiences with columbia mentors kind of transitioned me over that course of time while i was playing into being uh more interested in finance than even athletics Right. That's, that's, that's great. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of athletes or a lot of people that, you know, a lot of people growing up, right. We always see athletes, the NFL, the NBA, right. You know, thinking yeah. these guys are making so much money, you know, they, they, they are abusing their bodies, right. With all Definitely. that stress and working out and getting knocked and whatnot. Right. Um, when you realize that there's a better way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's great to be on the field. It's great to be on the court, but it's also great to be in one of those boxes up top. Absolutely. Right? Watching the players. Right. So it's just a, a different perception. Absolutely. There, there's definitely there's it is a better way in the sense that it's more long term. Right. So the average if you take the average person from a financial planning standpoint, their highest earning years are closer to their 50s, their late 40s, their 50s and beyond. So while they are they don't have that financial acumen, that sophistication, they're not making that much money in their 20s, 30s. As they start making more money, they're more sophisticated. They've been around the, the ring a few times. Where you take these athletes, they're making the majority of their earnings in their uh, 20s and 30s when they're, they, don't, they don't have any financial acumen, any sophistication there. And then you lose all of your uh, your money that you made during your highest peak earning year. So it's kind of a, a trap in that sense, mm -hmm. uh, set up. Uh, it's designed for you to fail in that right. sense. So definitely it's a better way to uh, make money in finance and be able to do it long term. There's no end game. You're not going to blow your knees out, um, you know, trading stocks or investing in real estate. So you can do it forever until you're, uh, you know, in the grave in that sense. Sure, absolutely, and and the beautiful yeah. thing about trading, about real estate with, with uh, technology today is you really can uh, go and do it wherever you want. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. That, that, it's like nothing else. Of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the technology piece. Whenever I talk to my students about 
uh, real estate and technology, it's the advantage that we have that no one had even 20 years ago. I mean, you can do what you can do on your smartphone today. You couldn't do with a computer even 10 years ago. Right. So being able to tap into the different apps and the software that's out there allows you to buy hundreds of houses in your underwear at your kitchen table and almost no one knows about it. So I spend the majority of my time uh, talking to investors really from all over the world. Like I was just speaking to a, a new student from um, from Montreal today and we're talking about how he can tap into the United States um, even across the border with some of these systems that I set up for my students. Sure, absolutely, man. That's that's the way to do it. You know, with, yeah. with the technology that we have today, you know, I can I can analyze a, a neighborhood, a multifamily property, how it looks, what it's going to need from the exterior just by Google Maps and and Google Earth and knowing exactly what neighborhood it's in and where it's going. And I can, you know, even dial into different parts of the city to see where there's construction happening, where's, you know, where these Definitely. different things are popping up. So it's amazing. Yeah, there, yeah, there's no limit today. The only limit mm -hmm. is, is your imagination and um, really just fear people getting over the fear of uh, of the unknown and yep. tapping into the right resources but i agree with you 100 technology is is that accelerator yeah. i remember my i remember when i was a teenager in the 80s my mother went to get her broker's license real estate broker's license and uh, her agent's license and she would go into the office and they would have you know like an attorney's office with the books on the shelves and <laughs> those books were the listings that's how wow. you would look for a listing. You would pull a book off. You would look at the address. You would look at the, and who knows if that listing was good, if it was bad, but that's how it was. And today, like you said, from sitting on an island somewhere or hiking a mountain, you know, in some foreign country, you can be doing deals just on your phone and you're, you know, checking your apps. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. And that's why, that's why I talk to people a lot about expanding their horizon. Like I hear it a lot in real estate. Um, hey, you know, the properties in my backyard, they're too expensive. I, I just can't get in. Like, let's say you're living in LA. Um, everything's expensive. I can't get in. New York, I, I can't buy in. I need so much cash. Don't lock yourself into an area today. You can do all of this remotely. And because you can, you should be setting it up like that from day one, because now you can do what money managers do, which is buy undervalued securities or real estate hold it until it reaches fair market value and then sell it at a profit or realize some type of a, a profit. So you should be taking your money and putting it where it goes further. The best money managers in the world, that's what they do uh, in a nutshell. So that's what you should do even with real estate at a, at a mom and pop level. Sure, absolutely. So how did you start in real estate? You went, you saw these 8 million 80 million financial planners, financial guys, they're sitting there, they've got the, they got this book. You're, you started going into the, into the business. You worked for AXA, then you worked for another company, a billion dollars. And then you're like, you know what? Real estate. Yeah. Well, what was, funny enough, what was the trigger? What was that trigger? It, the trigger, the trigger for me, I was always, uh, you know, I grew up with two entrepreneurial parents. So I watched them uh, start businesses, have success. Um, some of the businesses fizzled out. And um, one of the things that I knew was that any business that's going to be successful long term, it has to have this strong residual income component to it. And when I started to research different business models, real estate, you know, buy and hold real estate seemed like that great model where you can get paid over and over and over again for what you did, not for what you're doing. Because as we're putting in work, we're all getting older. 
we're all losing energy. When you're in your 20s, you have infinite energy. And every decade, you kind of uh, lose more and more. So you want to put in as much of that energy into something that's going to build residuals. So it also fit in with my model. I got into financial planning because I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to make my own schedule. I wanted to have control uh, over my clients and who I worked with, who I didn't. So real estate also was something that allowed me to be my own boss. As I learned more about it as well, I mean, the tax code, you know, in the United States was written for business owners and landowners, quite frankly. So I figured if I'm going to be, maybe I'll be both, start my own business within, you know, owning real estate and owning land. And um, you're going to be better off from a tax perspective. And that has proven, you know, very true. But it was really... Um, I had a friendship at the time. One of my best friends was uh, into reading about real estate and getting into real estate. And by the time, I think he was 24, I was 22. He had maybe three rental properties that he had sectionated. And I remember us going out to, you know, uh, a hangout spot and he pulls out, you know, a knot of maybe $2,500 cash. And he's just like, yeah, this is the rent money. And I'm like, where do I sign up? You know, what do I have to do to, to get in on this action? So us being good friends and talking every day, all we would talk about is real estate and different ideas and how we can make money in real estate and what types of properties were there and what areas were great. And it just became an obsession. So I knew uh, from day one, when I started working, I was only making money for the purpose of transitioning that money into real estate. So my uh, employer became my partner because they were providing me with capital to put into real estate. And every dollar I made, I would try to save maybe 30 to 40 percent and put all of that into real estate as soon as it built up in the account we're dumping into a property and i essentially did that all the way from deal zero to deal you know 300 plus yeah that's amazing that's awesome i love it i love it that's the way to do it that's exactly yeah. the way to do it and travelers if you're listening out there or not if but when you're listening i want you to hear what brian said he didn't quit his job and then go into real estate and be all stressed out because he wasn't he wasn't making money. He got a job so that that job, that income could afford him his lifestyle at the time. But also he was saving to buy real estate because that was the end game. The end game was not to sit at a nine to five for 45, 50 years building someone else's equity, building someone else's dreams. He said, I'm going to go X amount of time. I'm going to make money. I'm going to start buying my houses. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then with my investments, I'm going to make more money. And voila, like you said, 300 houses later, there you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there you are. And and, and what you're saying is true. It's uh, me and my buddy would, would joke all the time. Um, you'll never find a million dollars, you know, underneath your desk. It's just never going to happen. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, what job you're working in. There are a lot of jobs that are high paying, like, right? When I was uh, managing money for millionaires, I know uh, some millionaires who are making uh, $5 million a year and spending five or spending 4.5 and still living kind of that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. But those jobs are, you know, the 1% of the 1%, right? Most mm -hmm. people, you're never going to find that money. You can lift up the keyboard, the floor mat, roll the chair out, <laughs> double check, look under the desk. You're never going to find that million dollars there. It's not there. It's actually out in the field, in that entrepreneurial field. So, um, you know, you kind of have to jump and allow that net to appear uh, most of the time. And, and and a lot of us are just too afraid to do that uh, for mm -hmm. whatever reason. But your job is 
your partner when you utilize it the right way. It is putting capital in your pocket to build your own dream and your lifestyle. And as soon as you make that switch, it's not long uh, before you become a millionaire and build out your own portfolio and, and start living out your dream life. It's really not That's that right. long. That's right. You don't you don't need a lot. And and with the the beautiful thing also about real estate is that, you know, if you don't have money now to buy a house or to buy an investment property, you can go out and get a hard money loan from a lender. Then you can get a private lender to fund the equity portion of it. So now you own the property with zero dollars and you're paying the, the lender, you're paying your private investor and then whatever's left over, you're pocketing, even if it's three hundred dollars a month. You're $300 positive with zero money out of your pocket. And that's an infinite return. No one can argue with an infinite return. No, absolutely. <laughs> money coming in, when you have more coming in, you know, every month than going out, you're better than 90%, you know, the people. There are lenders that'll give you 100% of the capital to acquire mm -hmm. and rehabilitate properties. Um, you can make a lot of money uh, doing real estate. What we talk about in, in my course is, uh, getting paid to build. We typically don't touch properties that we don't get paid, that we don't make money to build. Uh, because building properties uh, in uh, certain neighborhoods, it's like the, the biggest service you can do uh, to the community. It's eco-friendly. There's nothing uh, more eco-friendly than rehabbing an existing structure from a carbon footprint standpoint. So we do a lot for the community and the environment. Mm -hmm. You should be compensated for that, right? So um, it, it's it's definitely a, an amazing, I'd say, symbi symbiotic oh, type of business absolutely. when you do it the right way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So, all right. So let's get to it because I know you're also a coach. I get started and don't really know, you know, who, what, where, when, or how. What would you say would be the first three, five things they would need to look at to do you know, to even think about, about investing or buying a, a a rental property or something? Yeah, I think um, the first thing you need to do is look at your lifestyle. So it's, it's kind of uh, maybe counterintuitive, but whenever I think about if I'm going to get into a certain job, so if I wanted to be a lawyer, I look at the, not the lifestyle of, not the money, right? So you, you look at the partner and you say, oh, they make millions of dollars. I want to make millions of dollars. Maybe. Look at the the uh, partner's lifestyle. Are they living the lifestyle that you want to live? Mm -hmm. um, so if not, then you need to design your path around lifestyle because that's what you're really trying to get. So when I look at real estate, I say, well, what type of lifestyle do you want to live? I'm not going to talk about deals with you first. I'm going to talk about lifestyle. Well, I, I just want to you know fire my boss and have money mailbox. Are we still on or is my, we're having some technical difficulties here. Okay. So we're on. Brian was in the middle of talking about, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, picking, picking up where we left off, if you have like uh, that desire to just have stable income, you're going to be a really good buy and hold investor. If your uh, desire is more around, I want a lifestyle of flash. I want to be able to buy, um, you know, cars and go out and spend lots of money and do these things. You might be more interested in, in buying and flipping or something that's going to generate capital a lot faster than the buy and hold strategy. The buy and hold is like that slow and steady wins the race model. Um, house flipping can can build up big cash 
uh, but it's um, it, it comes with different levels of taxation and, and different things. So once I nail that down, we will then go into kind of a, a, a pure investor's criteria to get the maximum cash flow. In most instances, you want to go to C-class neighborhoods, uh, places that have the highest yields, the, the best, the most, uh, most friendly cap rates. So narrowing down where you're going to invest. My mentor always taught me invest where you know, uh, rent to who you know, and you'll always be successful. And what that means is buy in neighborhoods that are kind of like the neighborhood that you grew up in, rent to people that are from the walk of life that you came from or that you're currently in. And because you understand the neighborhoods intimately and you are familiar with the people, the clientele, you'll typically be more successful than if you buy in places you have no familiarity with and rent to people that just aren't like you and that you don't identify with. So we'll narrow down their area. And then it just becomes, I think after that, it, it's just plug and play, plugging people into the right resources, the right lenders, uh, the right contractors, um, and giving them the knowledge of you know 300 plus deals, what can go wrong, how to avoid it, uh, those different pitfalls that you hear about, like contractors running off with thousands of dollars and doing hack jobs on their properties. There are really easy ways to avoid that. Um, most of us just don't know those ways or have the confidence to stand up to contractors when we're just getting started. So it, it's a pretty stable process. Lifestyle, criteria, um, boiling that down, and then just plugging you into the resources to get started. Oh, that's fantastic. And and so that's that. Uh, I love it. I, I agree. You got to know your lifestyle, what you want, where you're going with it, and then you can create the business around that lifestyle. Right? Absolutely. And that's uh, that's kind of what I taught. That, that, that's what I share with my clients as well. And and it's funny that you mentioned that because that's the first thing that we talk about as well. What's your lifestyle? What what do you want to do? Where do you who do you see yourself becoming, right? What 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 are you looking for? Right? Exactly what you said, right? The uh, the the lifestyle because you can run, you can have, you can chase the money your entire life, absolutely, and, and have the money but not have the lifestyle because you're too busy chasing you never put in the systems and the processes you never delegated correctly or you know you to anyone right so so that lifestyle kind of just falls apart and now you're back at the same kind of place you were where you're now tied to your job because that's yeah. the way you built it <laughs> yeah there are people who build uh businesses are, are systems right a business is systems so there are people out there who build businesses that's what i believe in and then there are people who build practices and a practice mm -hmm. means you're at the top uh, in order for the lights to come on you got to be there and all the clients only want to talk to you and deal with you which at, after a point you can become enslaved to your own practice so you mm -hmm. you've just built your own new nine to five <laughs> or really exactly. you've built a 12 to 12 <laughs> to some degree I mean, you're just working 24 hours a day now. So it's even worse and you can't, you can't get uh, rid of it and you take it home uh, to your family. Mm -hmm. So yeah, right. it, it, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. And a lot of people don't know the difference. It's crucial to understand the difference in the early stages of uh, building out your business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And are you now, um, are you doing single families? What kind of real estate are you involved in? Yeah, I, I focus a lot on uh, residential, single and multifamily. So one to four units. And the reason that I do it, I have, I mean, I have principles that I stick to. One is just like stay in your lane. It's called the, the main things to keep the main thing, the main thing. 
And the main thing for me is residential real estate, one to four units. It's not that I couldn't do other things uh, or that I don't dabble in other things, but that's the bread and butter. And the reason I keep it the bread and butter is because it's this interesting middle market, right? So when you mm -hmm. think about real estate, you start thinking about, well, who are the players? Where's the capital and who's trying to get in on this? When you're dealing with one to four units, this is the mom and pop residential market, right? So if you can institutionalize this unit, I mean, uh, this space, you now can have enough capital to pour in where you can outbid your typical mom and pop investor and you can get to good deals with better systems than they have because they uh, typically don't have any. And then it's too small of a space for your big institutional money to come into. They can't dump $500 million uh, right. every six months into residential single family, one to four units in Philadelphia, in Baltimore. They don't have the acumen. They're not that low to the ground. So mm -hmm. you can play in this space and there are wider profit margins because there's less competition. The big fish can't get to it. The little fish are too small. Here you come with this um, institutionalized knowledge and applying these institutional systems to a mom and pop space that allows you to make wild profits um, that are bigger than the, you know, the big fish even make. They just are making yeah. more money because they have more volume. Right. But if you had that same volume, you, you'd crush them. Mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so I love that residential space. Um, and, it, and it's been good. It's been good. Uh, it's been pretty recession proof as well as we've been dealing with COVID and some of these other things. Um, it's pretty recession proof to go in and section eight a property in a C-class neighborhood and, and make a nice yield. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, especially, oh, you know, yeah, it's been really good. Mm -hmm. Section eight is nothing to, to, to laugh at. You know, they, it's a great organization and and for landlords it's fantastic because you get you know 80 90 95 even sometimes 100 percent of your money directly from the government on yeah. clockwork you look at the bank on on either it's on the second or the 15th of the month you look, you look at the account you're like oh there it is you don't have there to goes. chase yeah. anybody you don't have to you know delinquencies you don't have to send out notices and you know and it's just really a great way of 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 getting your 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 money in you know and just cash flowing that puppy and just milking it and going and you know every year you can apply for an increase in rent because section eight gets money and they have to spend it so you can always apply for more and more and more and yeah i i, I enjoy it. we have a 64 unit complex in charlotte north carolina it's about 80 percent section eight beautiful yeah you and can't complain awesome. with that yeah it's it's awesome um Section eight can be great. It's it's uh it can be difficult to navigate early on, but once you understand the systems and uh the process, once you get it set up, it's just I mean it's butter. Mm -hmm. And right. I've I've noticed a big shift. I'm not sure about in North Carolina, but I've noticed a, a big shift in uh you know Philly, Baltimore, uh, New York, where the Section Eight uh, departments they're updating their process to make it mm -hmm. more uh you know tech friendly. So their uh, their platforms are you can schedule your inspections online. You can update a lot of your information right online right. where you couldn't do that even maybe five years ago. So um, mm -hmm. they're making that mm -hmm. shift. I, I won't be surprised if they have like an app on a smartphone <laughs> in another year at the pace that they're going. So it's it's uh, exciting to see right. that as well. Yeah, yeah. You'll be able to take photos of the apartment to show them that everything, you know, the screens are on, the smoke detectors, the fire alarms, the, the everything is in place. And then they can go, okay, check and and be done with it yeah. rather than sending somebody out all the time to to walk the units and check. 
Um, yeah. So, all right, Brian, we got a few more minutes. So what would you, when it comes to mindset, right? Because you played ball. Yeah. You played ball with, with, with some of the big guys. You're rubbing elbows with them. You're rubbing elbows with, with multimillionaires, right, in the uh, financial world. Now you're doing the same thing in real estate. What was that thread of the mi mindset that you always kept here that helped you move forward? Yeah, I would say um, my mindset that I got from sports was always focused on um, just hard work, right? Just hard work. I'm going to outwork people if I have to. And I'm going to be a bit more fearless uh, than the average person if I have to. So we, we were talking earlier about like cold calling and, um, you know, us getting uh, indoctrinated <laughs> into financial planning early on and you get handed that a phone book and they say go and i don't know about you but i remember sitting across from people who just couldn't do it they couldn't pick up the phone they couldn't get over the fear they they didn't develop that what they call rhino skin that six yep. inch thick skin um that it just makes you unbreakable you don't somebody could curse you out on the phone and you're just like have a nice day i don't like i don't even care because i'm gonna go through this brick wall and I got that from sports and I carried that energy into financial planning. I remember at that particular point, just making that decision that I'm going to go down swinging. I'm not going to fail. If I fail, I'm going down swinging. And I carried that into real estate. Um, and you need a tough mindset in real estate because it's, it's one of the most difficult shifts to, to make in a sense, because it's blue collar versus white collar. So a lot of us, we're white collar uh, workers, you know, I'm in finance, you're in finance. Um, we're doing different things where there's an HR department and there's a protocol and a way people handle themselves. And then you go into real estate and it's like, it's super blue collar. Like the guy's gotten a fight today and <laughs> there's no HR. And it's, um, it's a different business where it's all based on respect and um, how people carry themselves. And if you don't carry yourself a certain way and if people don't respect you, it's hard to get deadlines hit and timelines you know, done and jobs done and deals stamped. So making that transition to that blue collar mindset, it, it, it's tough. But if you have that sports background or some type of background, some moment that forced you to make that decision that you're going to go down swinging if you're going down at all, you need to tap into that. Um, to be highly successful because your job as a real estate developer is to put out fires all day. It's not to make money. It's not to look cool. It's to wake up every day, answer the phone. Somebody's going to be saying, Hey, there's a fire drill here. We got it. And you put out fires all day, stay calm and to be in control. So you need to tap into that, that next level. I'd say that's the mindset that has helped me to be successful. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I love it. You know, like I always say when, 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 when a fire happens and not a literal fire, you know, but when something goes sideways and, and, and it's, it's an, Oh my God kind of thing. And, and you're freaking out. <laughs> I tell people you're allowed to say, Oh shit. Three times. Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit. Now. Okay. You got it. You got it out of your system. Okay, yeah. great. Now let's look at how to solve that problem. Right. We just did our little freak out. Everybody's got a freak out. Right. So you get to say, Oh shit. Three times. 
Now you got it. It's out of your it's out of your system. Now take that hat off of the oh shit. Now put the hat on of the problem solver and let's find a and let's work on finding solutions to the issue, right? To the to the challenge in front of us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh it, it's definitely yeah. about it's definitely about yeah, solving so things. It's, uh, they're, they're... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was listening. Definitely about solving things. There are people who um, I'm sure you've run into it. They're just not solution focused. They bring you uh, problems and you're like, no, don't bring me more problems. Bring me solutions, because <laughs> the more solutions you go through, the the quicker you realize that there's always a solution. There's always some type of way to get around these problems. And I think that's a you might have you might have noticed noticed that about yourself and your journey as well. I think that's one of the biggest turning points when you realize that no matter what happens when you answer that phone, if you just stay calm and look at all angles, you're going to be able to solve it. And I think that's a lot of people's fears. They think when they get into it could be real estate, it could be anything, any type of a business path that they're going to run into that one problem they just can't solve. And it's not true. It's a mindset thing. Uh, you're going to solve problems. You're going to iterate a hundred times. And that's what every successful entrepreneur does on a daily basis. They run into issues, they iterate, they get better and they move beyond it. And um, they do that a hundred times. Some people call it luck, but it's, it's a lot of hard work and, and iteration on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, the saying experience comes from bad decisions. <laughs> and knowledge and wisdom comes from experience. Yeah. <laughs> so That's very it's okay true. to make bad decisions, right? You, we, we make mistakes, we make bad decisions, but you got to move on, right? You say, okay, that, that, that obviously didn't work. Damn, shit, that didn't work. Okay, what now? And you just got to keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Um, a lot of people, I agree with you, that they get, they get stuck in that paranoid deer in the headlights syndrome and they freeze. And, you know, it's because, you know, and, and, and I know you talk about it with your coaching clients and I know that you do this as well. Whatever you focus on expands and it's Absolutely. true, you know, the, the sages of thousands of years ago, the gurus of today and now science of today is proving that whatever you actually focus on expands. So if, you know, the people that get the headlight, the deer in the headlight syndrome, all they're seeing are, that, are those headlights. They're seeing the headlights coming at them, the problem charging at them at full speed. They don't see the side of the road on this side. They don't see the side on, they don't even think, hey, why don't I jump, right? Exactly. They're just focusing on that problem. Focus on the solution now. Focus like, okay, there's headlights coming my way. What do I do? Where do I go? What can I, how can I get out of this situation? Right. Who can help me here? Exactly. Yeah. And a big part of that training, especially when you're, when you're in charge, when you're building it out is not doing everything for everyone is forcing them to own problems and try to solve them before they call you. So it's, you know, I've literally had to tell people, look, don't call me. Don't call me. I know I can solve this, but I believe you can solve it. Don't call me, call me last. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. they, they say the Steve Harvey method, which, which is kind of funny is, uh, if, if somebody calls him with a problem, maybe they'll text him and say, Hey, I got a big issue. Call me back. He won't call him for two weeks. And he says, uh, usually when he calls them back, they've already solved it and they don't need them anymore. 
and he's not even guilty because hey, all right, I called you back. Are you okay? Everything? Yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm, no problem. And he's like, oh, all right, cool. And it's right, a, it you don't out. have to wait two weeks, but you know, in business, you definitely want to give people, you know, maybe a day, maybe a couple hours, but don't always, mm -hmm. you know, answer that phone and be that first line of defense. Just ignore the call half of the time and you'll oh, see your people get smarter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm listening to this book called clockwork and it talks mm -hmm. about building systems in your company and whatnot. And he talks about the four D's, the four D's is doing, deciding, delegating and designing right so in the beginning we're doing everything right then we're yeah. deciding what we can hand off to people right if mm -hmm. we can then we're delegating we're saying, okay go 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 right so you know in the delegating part of it first of all you have to be able to delegate right so when you're delegating yeah. to someone you're giving them the project right so then they have to be able to accept the project then the next level of delegation is they have to be able to accept the fact that you're not going to solve the problem for them that they've got to come and they right and then and then the last part of the delegation is where they now take ownership of that decision that they made after you delegated that project to them now they own it right now yeah. when you delegate another item to them or another task they're not going to come to you with obstacle hey you know like you said i have an issue call me back no they're going to they're going to end up bringing you the solution or the or the final product after you've delegated it to them, so that's, yeah. that's great that you said that because that's I I agree with that 100. percent You know, people yeah. have to own. They have to own the fact that there's gonna you know, th this is the solution that I came up with. This is the mistake that I made. This is I gotta own it. And when they own it, and you don't beat them on you know for making a mistake, but you exactly. you know you support them, right? For taking for taking the 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 um, for for taking the stride into you know, and, and moving forward and actually saying, you know, what, I'm going to make a decision. Right. So they made the decision. You reward them for making the decision and then you work on fixing. OK, what was wrong there? How can we make it better and so forth? Yeah. How can we how can we tweak this and make it better? I feel like there are so many of us that uh, will struggle with that delegation uh, piece there. You know, there are a lot of control freaks out there. There are a mm -hmm. lot of people who become the boss. Um, or they want to be their own boss so that they can control everything. They don't understand. It's not about uh, control. It's about hiring people, bringing in people that you truly believe have an opportunity to be better than you. Like you, why would you hire somebody in a role to that you think you're better than them? That doesn't mm -hmm. even make any sense. What are you paying them for if you're better than them? You should hire people and try to build them to be better than you. Um, and then program them to think like you so that they don't need you. I call it like a, a mother goose uh, strategy. Whenever I hire somebody, I would tell them, look, I'm going to be the most hands on, you know, boss you've ever had. I'm going to be right there until you need me. I'm not going to leave you drowning. But as soon as you push me away, I'm gone and I'm mm -hmm. gone, gone. Like you won't hear from me for a month unless something goes horribly wrong, because I'm going to let you run with it now, because right. as soon as I know they I say something, they say, I know, or they finish my sentence. I say, mm -hmm. oh, they think like me now. I'm done mm -hmm. because that's that's my job is to get you to to have me as a cross-check voice in your head. Doesn't mean I'm always right, but it means that you cross-checked my line of thinking and you still made a different decision or you still made another decision after factoring in some of the things that I would factor in. I'm fine with that. That mm -hmm. That's that's my job as a, a leader is to direct thought and make sure that uh, worst case scenarios are avoided and then give you the freedom to create 
because what you have to realize is people have more time. Like if, if you're the boss and you hire an accountant, that accountant has more time to play with the numbers all day than you do as a boss. So they can put eight hours a day on it and you can put 20 minutes a day on it. They're going to be better than you. You have to yep. get out of their way. You have to let them run. It, you know, it just is what it is. Absolutely. So it's, Absolutely. It's, it's a great mindset to have. Yeah. That's, that's the only way to scale your business. Yeah. Right? You got to learn how to delegate, you know, scaling and you know, delegating is part of scaling. If you don't delegate, you will never scale. And a You're friend of mine's father used to say, yeah, he used to say he had a good, uh, had a good phrase. Um, he goes, 80% is good enough, right? <laughs> no one is going to, you know, yeah. you, you, you want, you want somebody to be better than you, right? You're hiring somebody to be better than you and you, you know, you set the standards, but if they come, you know, 80% below you, you know what? That's still good enough because you can tweak that 20%. You can work it. Yeah. You can support them and tweak them to get them to that next, that, that up. But if they're already coming out of the gate, giving you 80% of what you want, your, your life is so much easier, you know, yeah. and, 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 and duplicating yourself becomes easier as well. Yeah. And, and that, they're 80%, 100% of the time, 100% of the day mm -hmm. is better than your hundred percent, 8% of the day from a just exactly. from a math standpoint because they're they can give you 80 percent of what you could do uh in that same role or what you think you could do but they can do it eight hours a day while you're focusing on other areas of your business that need it i mean it's yeah it's that's leverage that's that's the key mm -hmm. it is it is beyond that's good enough yeah mm -hmm. that's the beauty of leverage that's a great saying i like that yeah <laughs> all right well Hey, Brian, it's been fantastic having you on the show. You've dropped some serious bombs on us. And I hope, uh, you know, travelers, you're listening out there, you're listening today, and you're going to listen into the future on our podcasts, uh, that you really take notes. Brian laid some awesome nuggets for us. So pick them up and use them in your business and in your life and create the lifestyle that you want and then work that business around it. Brian, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, in, a, in a few different areas. I put a lot of information on Instagram. Uh, on my my handle is 247-247 Cashflow University, 247 Cashflow University. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I drop a lot of uh, tutorial videos, just informational videos on Brian Loves Cashflow uh, on YouTube. And um, if you, you have any off the wall questions, real estate questions that you want to ask, you can always shoot me an email at Brian, B-R-I-A-N at 247cashflowuniversity.com. Uh, those are the easiest ways to to get a hold of me. I'm on Facebook too as well. Uh, Brian Grimes, you can find me. Uh, 24 seven Cashflow University. You can you can definitely find our group there as well. Awesome, fantastic! Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you having here, uh, travelers. I want to share some uh, information. I want to thank some of our sponsors, uh, commercial realty partners. If you're looking to buy or sell your commercial real you know commercial real estate, commercial realty partners. Uh, Cornerstone Investment Partners. If you're looking to passively invest and get some passive income through multifamily investing, Cornerstone Investment Partners is your way to do it. And Jade Property Management Company. Jade Management manages properties, single family, residential, and multifamily throughout the entire continental U.S. So if you need a good property management company, Jade PMC. And also, if you want some swag, some traveling investor swag, go to Etsy.com, check out the traveling investor store and get some swag. Like if you notice, I'm wearing a shirt that says 
Running comps is my cardio. It's one of my favorite shirts. And you can get a shirt like that on Etsy.com. Thank you for watching. You, uh, you can catch us on all those different podcast stations, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Roku Channel, YouTube. We're all there. I look forward to seeing you guys next week somewhere on Spaceship Earth. I'm Nitsan Mosby, the traveling investor. Have a fantastic week and happy hunting.